Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. Welcome to Face to Face and another uh, beautiful morning here in Toronto at the Verity Club. I'm sitting here with my, today's guest, uh, Nina Spencer. Thanks for joining us, Nina. My pleasure. That's uh, Nina Spencer. Let's get the plug in uh, nice and early. NinaSpencer.com. N-I-N-A-S-P-E-N-C-E-R.com. Getting passion out of your profession, how to keep loving your living, come what may. Uh, that's the subtitle of her book, Getting Passion Out of Your Profession. A uh, book that came out a couple of years ago, I believe, mm-hmm. sold fairly well. Mm-hmm. And if you're not on board yet, uh, Nina is a motivational speaker. She's a teacher, and uh, from what I can tell, just a really wonderful person. So we're gonna we're gonna get into a couple of things in a, in just a minute. But let me just read you a couple of the chapter titles here: uh, Practice Positive Thinking, uh, Positive Word Choice, and the Sound of It All. Pr- project Professional Self Worth. Protect Sense of Humor. A little bit of alliteration going on here. Play with Perspective. Profess Purpose. Preserve energy and enthusiasm. Promise to persevere. Perpetuate relationships. And the last chapter, which is class starts now. Pretty interesting, actually, <laughs> Nina, that the class starts at the end of the book. Um, so again, thanks for joining us. You know, I've certainly, I've done a little bit of this type of speaking myself mm-hmm. over the years. Certainly mm-hmm. heard lots, you know, uh, working with different corporations and so on. I've always kind of wondered what motivates the motivator. What is it that's driving you? You know, is it is it Dale Carnegie and how to win friends and influence people? Was that like the first thing that sort of, you know, was dropped on your doorstep? Or, or was it a, a, a an experience or a collective collection? Well, he's definitely one of the granddaddies of them all. But I confess I've never read. You've never read Dale Carnegie? <laughs> I've never. Shame on you. Smack <laughs> that's me. right. That's right. <laughs> um, but definitely, uh, I know that I have him to thank historically sure, yeah. for um, the rise of the whole profession yeah, of inspiration. Yeah. Greatest salesman in the world. Do you remember that one? Ogmandino. Ogmandino. Right? Yes. Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar yes. used to say something about uh, um, people say that motivational speaking doesn't work 
because it wears off. And his response was, but so does a bath. That's why you have to have one regularly. Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) That's really good. Motivational speaking or inspirational speaking as as a formulaic part of... uh, a professional development plan inside an organization or an association. It's part, that's, I think that's key. Yeah, it's part yeah, of yeah. a larger, a larger, um, strategy or yeah, program yeah. for buoying people up and keeping them energized and enthused. Uh, so you actually would say almost, I, I just went through a strategic planning process with an organization mm-hmm. and you would almost argue that it's worth slotting that in mm-hmm. those types of events mm-hmm. or we're going to bring in people to talk about x y and z mm-hmm. over the next three to five years in our plan and recurringly yeah perhaps sure. not once a month but right, even so right. some organizations do have lunch and learns and they bring in different people yes yeah once a month yeah but definitely episodically and recurringly uh not even just for what zig ziglar said right, uh, right. but uh, which is great by the way because it's kind of true <laughs> there's so many things we need to be reminded sure. of. sure you know? and i often think of it like um a good movie that you have seen. Can think of a movie that you've seen more than once. I'm yes, quite many. a, a movie file, right? <laughs> and even though you've seen it three times, four times, more times than you can count, if you come across it by accident on television, don't you just have to sit down and watch it to its conclusion? Yes, it's true. Right? Commercials and all. Yeah. And it's so, sitting on your shelf. And, and you could have watched the whole thing. You could have popped the DVD in. And it's just, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. So I think of... of, of um, folding in motivational um, exposure to motivational speaking or inspirational speaking or keynote speakers uh, who are offering education uh, for clients um, as as something like that. Even if you've heard this message before, you haven't heard it necessarily from this speaker on this day. Over coffee, you had mentioned that, you know, it sounded to me like you mentioned that one of the threads through, you know, as you look back at all the different jobs you had, including your DQ job, which I want to hear more yes, about. Yes, yes, okay. Dollar, dollar an hour, right? <laughs> a dollar an dollar hour. dollar an hour. But it sounded to me like the thread was teaching, which I think is really interesting because mm-hmm. I think sometimes, at least my experience has been, oh, motivational speaker. There's sort of a pejorative edge. Sure. Right? And sometimes I do... Um choose to use another kind of word yeah uh, because there is teacher makes sense right well we're keynote speakers in the profession we 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 hit the keynote of a particular conference and conferences are you know looking for the best within leading the way navigating through change you know those theme titles that are uh usually attached to annual conferences whether they're internal staff conferences or association conferences so we focus on uh, folding in uh, good, practical skills. I, I am saying we, perhaps I should say I, I'll speak just for myself. I make sure to fold in good, practical skills that can be applied to the very next day at work and, and hopefully in uh, private life as well. So they, they straddle the two realms of, right. of our world. Um, it, it's, it must be entertaining. If it's at an annual conference, in my opinion, it, there should be a fair amount of, of entertainment that's folded in or marbled in. But if it's just entertainment, it's too lightweight. It's too fluff and stuff, if you will. Yep, yep. So I can't help but want to make sure that it's also practical, practical, um, and that is some of my background as well. I spent many years inside organizational development. In the olden days, they called it training and development or corporate training and development. Uh, so it's it's in my blood, if you right. will, sure. that uh, I secretly, or perhaps not so secretly, want to make sure that anything that comes out of my mouth on the platform within 60 minutes also has some good, solid content and educational value. Right. But you're right about just getting back to your observation about there's a, there's a theme of teaching. Um, I am not a teacher. I'm, I'm not a BED. Right. Uh, my background is in psychology. My degree is in psychology. Um, but when I look back over all the years from the time I was 14, we talked about the Dairy Queen being my yeah. first job. That was my only non-teaching job, the Dairy Queen. After that, I went on to uh, be a... A camp counselor with the YMCA. It's fun to stay there. By right, the way. right. <laughs> um, um, uh, and then uh, figure skating. I was a figure skater, a serious figure skater through my teen years and early 20s. 
Um, so I turned professional and I taught figure skating. Mm. Then I left figure skating and went into corporate working and went into HR and training and development. So I look back and I see that I've always been teaching and instructing enthusiastically what, what, what one I, thing or another. What I, what I found interesting about when you were chatting about the DQ job, yes. and by the way, I, if there was anywhere I could go tonight, tomorrow night, and Wednesday night, it would be Dairy Queen. Ah. I'm, just, I'm a big fan. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, and I know it's fake ice cream, but... Um, it's not fake oh, ice cream. Oh, I thought it was fake it's ice cream. It's 2% milk. Yes, oh, I used I to see. put it in there. I, uh, I, I, <laughs> Unless they've changed the formula over I think the they put a little bit of um, crack cocaine in there as well <laughs> because it's awfully good and kind of addictive. <laughs> yes. um, you t what's interesting, you know, even though you said that the EQ job maybe not, you know, really teaching, what you focused on, though, was a teachable moment because you said to me... Uh, um, we, we used to get to eat yes. our mistakes. Yes. I mean, if that's not a metaphor for, for going on to do the work that you've done, I don't know what is. Well, yes, we did. We got to eat our mistakes because they wanted that that um, that symbolic, that trademark mm -hmm. curly cue on the top. Which is but, fabulous, you know, There's a little bit of a technique to learning I bet that. there is, yes. And, if, if, and then you have to make the mounds go a certain way with the machine. <laughs> that's right. You know, yeah, it's quite perfect, So actually. we would make mistakes on purpose. Oops, that's a mistake. Guess I got to eat it. Funny. Stick it in the freezer for later. Funny. And so you, what you end up with is an awful lot of overweight young people working Absolutely. at Dairy Queen. No wonder I could only do that job <laughs> for right. one month. Now, from a management perspective, though, how, how many mistakes were you allowed, uh, you know, before Nobody they... Nobody really counted. <laughs> but they <laughs> did notice funny. that the ice cream was going down a fair amount, and it didn't match what was in the till. That's so. Funny. Uh, and so we were we were blamed for making um, our blizzards and our milkshakes too thick. Too thick. Thin those things out. Thin them out, right? Profits, <laughs> profits being eaten up literally. Um, so who who is a guru guru for you? I mean, is is it a Ziegler? Is it a Norman Vincent Peale? Is it a, a somebody like, um, or is it a psychologist? Is it somebody you know? If you had to go back and say, here's a foundational thinker, a writer, a woman. A, Somebody who really does inspire me, motivates me to 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 uh, not only to get out of bed in the morning, but to to really make a difference. Mm. Wow! I mean, that's a tough question. It's kind of like saying, "What's your favorite movie? Or what's your favorite?" <laughs> well, book? I, I can you know? I can share with you um, who were my influences uh, in my earlier days. For example. Um, I just adored Tom Peters. I did Tom Peters in Search of Excellence, especially in the 1990s. And he did, in my opinion, um, so many platform skills. And I'm putting this in air quotes for you wrong. Right. He did, he did a lot. He paced and paced and yelled. And, and he, there was a lot of passionate, frenetic energy. And I'm sure that there are some organizations out there that teach platform skills that would say, don't do this. Yes. Uh, but it worked for him because he was so authentic. Do you know? Have you ever? Yeah, seen I have Tom? not. No, not not. I know the book, but, uh, but yeah. So I just remember, oh, just very uh, inspired by the fact that he didn't necessarily follow the rules, if right. you will, uh, but he definitely came from the heart. Um, then I think of Margaret Wheatley, who has an entirely different presentation style it's very serene she stays place in one place quiet voice hmm. you wouldn't think that that would necessarily work mm -hmm. for a mm -hmm. thousand people yeah right? sure sure but yet it does so um it's it's been nice to take a bit of a composite or composite compound composite composite um i think i'm thinking american canadian in terms yeah, could of the be. stress yes. yeah but um of of uh this speaker style, this that speaker style, that person's message, and, and so on. I was influenced in early days by Peter Senge too, by um, the Fifth Discipline and and the whole focus on systems thinking, uh, leadership books like Stephen Covey, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective mm, People. Mm -hmm. When I was up and coming, these were uh, the people that were um, uh, big. Uh, William Bridges, Job Shift. And are you, I'm really having to dig through the archives yeah, sure, in my head sure. right now. And do you but. and do you read any of these folks today? Or are you really trying to d distill kind of your own experiences? And your oh own no, I, I'm staying on top of of all kinds of uh, uh, colleagues' work right, and, and messages. Right, right. right now, I'm reading Quiet, uh, which is by Susan Cain, 
and that's uh, oh, if I see if I can remember the subtitle about how how to uh, quiet how to how to be an introvert in a world that won't stop talking or something like right, that. I think right. that's oh, the okay. yeah, yeah. fascinating book and good for me to uh, get right to understand because I perceive myself as an extrovert. Right. But it's important, I believe, for speakers to recognize that there are all kinds of people in the audiences. Uh, if you're talking about the Myers-Briggs uh, formula of, of how, how you identify different people, everybody is represented in an audience. And if I want to inspire as many people as possible and ultimately have all the people stay with me to the very end, it would behoove me to make sure that I appreciate and understand that there are different ways of, of uh, experiencing my message. And that if I'm only playing to the extroverts, then I'm going to lose some of the people. So um, Susan's work is very interesting mm. to me. She doesn't care to uh, present, I understand. Uh, but she does because she knows that's part of the deal when right, you have a right, book. Right. But she's great. How do you balance the, the entertainment with substance that's a great question and there's a little joke i don't even really know if it's true but i have a hunch it might be there's a theory that says the further southwest you go on the continent of north america okay um the more entertainment the lighter on content the further northeast you go higher on content lower on entertainment Interesting. <laughs> i've never heard that before a geographic so west versus yeah. east yes. and yes. north versus south um, but I believe that you better make sure that it includes both my, I'm a speaking coach as well okay. as, as okay. doing this for my own right. services. Right. Um, and, and it's part of my coaching advice that you need to have moments where it's, where you lighten up, where you, where you can inspire the audience to audibly laugh, not just have a little smile inside, but. Right out, LOL, right, right, out, right out loud laugh. Um, get them involved, participation. Sometimes even standing up. My, right. my keynotes always include participants getting up out of their seats. Well, if people are sitting for once. an hour, I think that's a pretty smart uh, performance mm -hmm. approach and st stage mm -hmm. technique, you know, theatrical mm -hmm. technique, frankly. Yeah, it's hard to sit for that long. But even as a PS to the question, sometimes, no, I'll take that back. It's not sometimes, all the time. I'm tweaking and rearranging on the fly. I have a, a clear understanding of what it is that I'm going to do that has a beginning and a middle and an end. Um, but based on the feel of the audience, based on the political atmosphere that I have uh, been privy to before I start, uh, I tweak my presentation. I change it. Do I really think this audience will go for this or will they... Will they be adverse to this? Do I dare to go out on the skiddy branches and, mm -hmm. and, 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 and appeal to them to participate in right. this exercise or so on? So to me, that's answering your question in terms of how do I strike that balance between content and humor? Some of it is my intuition. Yeah. Well, some of it must come down just to, just well, intuition, that, that experience of, mm -hmm. of working for many different people in many different places, mm -hmm. cultures. You've got a lot of things going on when you walk out onto a stage temperature of the room can affect it absolutely did people eat anything are they coming back from lunch you know all how those rotten things. was the weather how yeah. hard was it to get to the location yeah. that day yeah, and, yeah. Um, makes a difference and you know the economy the politics of the day sure. can sometimes sure. once a long time ago i think it was even still in the 1990s 99 or whatever i didn't know back then to ask the question you know, what's politically hot right now in your organization? Is there anything I should know before I begin? And as the president of the company introduced me, he also, just beforehand, told them bad news. Great. That was going to um, impact their work and probably cause some percentage of people to right. lose their job the following Excellent. year. Right. And this was in nice November. Intro. And now, Nina Spencer, right. positive yes. thinking. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about feeling ambushed. Yeah. And it was all I could do to, to keep yanking it out of my head. And, so and did you ultimately, though, end up speaking to the truth in that situation? Like, did you, did you find yourself 
ever referring back to, wow, that was crummy news. I'm really sorry about that in some way. Yes. You didn't totally that, gloss over it uh, no, with a smile. No. Yeah. But still, people weren't engaged. Yeah, no, how could they They were be? distracted. They were disrupted. And it was nothing personal. Yet, show me a speaker, even the most seasoned of speakers, who wouldn't at least somewhat be... Um, distracted and pulled off their yeah, game a little yeah, bit yeah, knowing sure, that as their sure. lips are moving yeah yeah sure yeah right? but these people their heart isn't in being there right yeah. now right leads me to another interesting i think question do you have do you, do you find yourself taking risks a lot on stage uh with with uh do you find yourself pulling something out that wasn't in your plan mm -hmm. sure sometimes yeah, yeah. not all the time but uh yes i will go with it and i think that that not only is um a hallmark of a fine speaker. It's also a hallmark of a fine workshop facilitator, perhaps even more so than a speaker. Right. Um, because a speaker is essentially doing a one-way communication, essentially. I mean, yeah. they may yeah. be involved, yeah. but it's... But with workshop facilitation, somebody will ask a question and it's not part of the workshop lesson plan, uh, but we need to go there. So we right. run with it. And then after a few minutes of conversation, you pull it back. So yes... Uh, it's fun to do that. A lot of speakers I've heard, and I've certainly used it. I teach at uh, Humber College in Toronto, 80 students a year. And, you know, you'll often find yourself, I do two and a half hour classes and it's mm -hmm. not all lecture. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very dialogical and try to engage the students and so on. But often, you know, I'll find myself that cliche. Well, if there's one thing I want you to take away today, this mm -hmm. is it. Mm -hmm. Do you find yourself saying that? Mm. Do you, do you feel that in a talk like this that, you know, I don't know what the stats are about people, what they retain with visuals versus yes. verbal, et cetera. I'm sure you do, mm -hmm. but do you find yourself hoping or saying, wow, you know, as long as the group today takes away one key sure. item, I've done my job. Absolutely. Well. And yeah. I really believe it, even though you're right, I agree that there's a bit of a cliche. There is, there it. is a bit of a cliche tone, isn't there? But you know, I, <laughs> Maybe that's what makes me the Pollyanna or whatever. But um, I do believe if I put my head on my pillow on any given day and I learned one new thing that I didn't know yeah. today, yeah. even if it's a new word, yes. I've just learned antebellum. <laughs> I never knew antebellum before. So it's it's kind of fun to yeah. think there's something new in my day. I it's not it's a carbon amazing. copy of yesterday. I think it's amazing. I Yeah, and I've got a five and a seven-year-old, Victoria and Spencer, and they are teaching me all kinds of things. And there I, you are. I keep this wonderful diary. Actually, I'm on my second book. Several hundred pages of thoughts and notes and questions that my kids have either asked or things that we've done together. So, yeah, they're, it's it, it, you're right. I'm with you. This It's a kind of a... Um, uh, fascination with wonder, in a way, I think. For me, anyway, to stay, it comes back to, to that. stay in wonder. To stay Again, in another, wonder. That sounds like another cliche. Oh, it stay does. in wonder. Yeah. Kumbaya. Yeah. But yeah. Think... Well, there is a kumbaya edge to it, but you know what? The the Ziegler comment about it, it's like taking a bath. You got to mm -hmm. be reminded of mm -hmm. that because it's staring you in the face. Mm -hmm. And it's that Edgar Allan. I mean, I bring it up all the time. Edgar Allan Poe's purloined letter. He mm -hmm. hung it right in front of everyone so that they wouldn't see it. Mm -hmm. You know and. Uh, I, I think it's kind of tragic, even in my own life. I mean, when getting out of bed in the morning, sometimes it's pretty hard to say, wow, what an awesome day this is going to well, be. Well, at least getting, you woke up. You say, oh, I woke up. This That's is right. good. That's right. I didn't die in yeah. the night. Yeah. Yeah, I got another day to try again. So you don't need your audience members to take everything away. It's not like... No, you, you know, and, and just getting back to your comment about um, are you happy if they walk away with one thing? I truly believe this, that if you do walk away with one thing from my presentation... And then implement that all the rest of your days. You will see some percentage of uh, improvement or or better value uh, in your experience. So I secretly have my favorite when I do a, a conference keynote. I uh, share five different points, and that takes an hour, pretty much. In my book, there are nine different chapters, and, and each one of those five points that I talk about in a keynote corresponds to a chapter in the book. So I've cherry-picked my five favorite chapters, if you will. But secretly, I have my favorite of those five. Secretly, I would prefer, for, I would, well, I don't know if prefer is the right word, but I would be happy if, if, if everybody took away the first of right, the five right, ideas. Right. Now, if they, if they attach more to the second or the third, fourth, or fifth, that's fine. 
but I'm very particularly passionate about my first suggestion. You want to know what it is? I do. <laughs> um, taking a look at the choice of words we use when right. we're communicating right. with one another. You, you said earlier, and it might have been while we were offline, but you, and I wrote it down because I wanted to come back to it. You said words are powerful. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to come back to that mm-hmm. and just maybe that's where you're going. Well, and but, we know that. We know that's true. I hate your guts. I hate you. Yeah. yeah. I love you. I love you. Yeah. It's just words. But yeah. you know that there's a lot of stuff behind those yeah. words. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of a, an extreme example. But when we are in the workplace, in a very, very subtle way, uh, choosing these words instead of those words can have, can yield a different result. Can, and, and it might not be easy to measure scientifically, but it's, a, it's an intuitive thing. It's a gut thing that the other person responds to you differently. Thank you for your patience. I really do believe this, and I've watched it work through the years. Oh, I'm finally here. Thanks for your patience with me. Instead of, oh, I'm sorry I'm late. Thanks for waiting. Right? So it just paints the picture of late, waiting. You know, let's move on with, with what you really are. You're thanking them for their patience. You hope that they had patience. And I'm here now. Um, instead of, is this a bad time? Is this a good time? To sachet our language into the area where you want it to go. That's not right. saying it as well no, as I, I want. Think Let I me try that again. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think so. So, so words set context. Mm-hmm. Words can... Uh, um, diffuse. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, they, yeah, they can be Instead inviting. Instead of saying and they you can... don't understand me or you've misunderstood, right. right. this is another one of my favorite ones to point out to people who are in corporate settings or dealing with customer service, service excellence. Oh no, 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 ma'am, you've misunderstood me. Well, that's pretty blamey, you know. And there's a per- yeah. there's a chance that if that person is sensitive, they're thinking, well, what do you mean I misunderstood you? Maybe you didn't communicate it. That's so right. If, that's right. If the service provider has a hunch that that's the truth, and it doesn't even need to be with a customer, it can be between colleagues, it can be between a manager and a staff person, a staff member. Um, instead of saying, you've misunderstood me, uh, put the brain on a three second delay, right? Get the brain engaged before, but your brain engaged before your mouth, you know, goes ahead, uh, and say, oh, I need to say that again. Let me put that another way. Right. I need to be clear. So if they misunderstand, then it's I put the onus on myself that I didn't communicate it clearly enough. Right. One of President Obama's favorite sayings is, "Let me be clear." And if you go, you know what? If you go back and you watch some of his speeches, he seems to use that phrase. I'm going lot. to, you know, when you asked me much earlier, who is a person that I admire? I'm not necessarily here talking about. Um, um, Political strategies, or right, or, right. or you know, the economics of it. I guess I I'm not that much of an expert on American politics um, because it's not my country. Yep. So, so I, I won't address that or speak about that. As an orator, as a presenter, I just love to watch him. He's very good. Yeah. Love to yeah, watch. Yeah, he really him. is good. Yeah. And you know who else? Just um, I know we're a bit organic in our conversation. That's okay. Here. Are you no, all that's right? okay. Yeah. Um, Sometimes if I'm flipping through the television channels and I come across uh, evangelical speakers, uh-huh. I'm riveted to watch their platform skills. Right. Oh, some of them are, are yeah, some of them are really good performers. Some of them are absolutely horrible. Yes. Uh, but uh, I, I get infuriated when I watch them. So uh-huh. my, Well, I'm not uh, listening for their words. Elizabeth, my wife, gets upset with me if I, if I am flicking and I end up, can you believe this guy? You know, and she'll think, yeah, what, what do you watch that stuff you're, for? You're thinking, you're listening to the words. I'm listening to content, I suppose. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm uh, astounded by the 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 lack of experience with how to set a toupee but i mean that's a, <laughs> you know and, and and sometimes it is for the for the don'ts yes but it's there's something interesting ah here's something else just in terms of observing mm-hmm. others so that i can make my craft better and things that yeah, i have sure, done sure. over yep. the years um watch seinfeld or watch just for laughs stand up comics Watch their rhythm. Watch how they, they recognize the arc yeah, of a laugh. Sure. Yeah. And stop cutting it off. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So many speakers do know, myself included, where the laughs are. 
in our in our material in our presentations we know we're generally speaking we can expect the audience to laugh but because we're so intent on saying the next comment or some yeah. of us anyway yeah. we don't let the laughter grow and have its full life and it's not it's not about the speaker feeling flowers thrown at them or it's not about yeah. that yeah. it's about letting the audience have the pleasure of that laughter. Yeah, sure, sure. Right? Yeah, so no, it's I a think... moment. It's not a moment of, of me taking it and, and, and pulling yes. the laughter to me. Oh, you're milking it's, the applause. Yeah, you're milking thank you. the laughter. It's, it's yeah. about me letting them yeah. have that experience and I stand by while well, until also, I watch it go down. It sets a tone too uh, mm -hmm. for the for the rest of it. And mm -hmm. it's it's about those ups and downs. And I think I think to some degree, I don't know if you'd agree with this as a as a performer, but I think a lot of performers are uncomfortable with that that silence on stage where they're not saying anything. Ooh, mm -hmm. uh, I'm boring the audience. Even mm -hmm. if there is applause going on, even mm -hmm. if there is laughter going on. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, circling back, so do good leaders choose their words wisely? Yes. Or do just or could we even simplify it? Good people choose their words wisely. Good people, good leaders, because I'm speaking small L as well as capital L, and everyone is a leader. Right. You know, we can be a leader in a lineup at the grocery store. Right. Sure. Um, something's out of place and it belongs over there. You can demonstrate your leadership by just putting it back. And like, That's a silly little example, but you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, so, um, absolutely. But I think what happens for people who've decided to be awake, conscious, hmm. with conscious intent and, a, and awake with their, their communication skills, um, it comes out naturally. They've practiced it so much. It's like knowing their phone number. Um, although some people are on speed dial now, so they don't know their phone number anymore. Um, it becomes incorporated mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. just their style. Mm -hmm. Now, every now and then you'll meet somebody, and I remember these days back a long time ago when I was in my, some of my first jobs. Some people were very good with uh, dealing with difficult people. Difficult clients, difficult colleagues, whatever. And then somebody, a third person might come along and say, wow, you know, David, you are so good at dealing with them. I always find them a pain in the neck to deal yes, with, but yes. you, you so artfully, how do you do that? And then if your answer is, I don't know, I'm just being myself. Yeah. That to me is having skills that, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say it's more valuable to know you have these skills and to know and do it on purpose. It doesn't make right. it inauthentic, just right. But right. to not to be able to replicate it any time out yeah. Yeah. is is an opportunity missed. Well, I think it's it's kind of become humanly habituated mm -hmm. in a sense, not like a habit as in a you know, smoking a cigarette mm -hmm. or having your first coffee in the morning. Mm -hmm. But it's become a part of who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, you treat others with respect, you mm -hmm. look for ways out and so on. And I th I think you're right about that. I I wish more of us could do that. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us would be in a much better place, a much more positive place when it came to our, our marriages and our partners and our, our, our businesses and the people we work with and hang out with. Because it seems to me that, you know, we sort of acquiesce towards the immediate, um, <laughs> well, how can I shut them down? Or Well, something you know, occurs to me now, even, even while I'm hearing you say that, um, it's the 10 second thing, isn't it? And there's all kinds of neuroscience around that now it's very popular right now um but it's very basic too counting to 10 right to, to allow the higher level brain to kick sure. in rather than the yeah. primitive sure. fight or flight brain right because that's what happens when we're annoyed with one another they say this and, and it's like yeah 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 it becomes a, a boxing right match. And, yeah. and rather than if there if there were 10 seconds in between what they say and what you reply then you might reply differently. And I, I like to think about that difference. I, I muse that difference between the word react and respond. Mm -hmm. Because to me, they're not synonyms. Mm -hmm. To I react is, is that one, two, one, two. Yes, yes. Um, but to respond is to that person does that thing, says that thing. I contemplate it for split seconds or 10 seconds or whatever. And then I respond. Remember when we were in high school? And, you, and we were in science class, and you look under the microscope at, at the amoeba, 
And then we used to put, I seem to remember putting a little solution of salt or something. And, salt, and then you, yeah. And, Iodine, and, I don't remember that's what right, it was. Whatever yeah. that was. And then you watch it change shape. Yeah, it's yeah. totally uh, externally controlled. Yes. It's responses. Yes, and sure. some people are like that. So do we want to be like amoebas? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, or, right. or be more in control. There's a joke there, I think. Somewhere. Yeah, I think yeah. there is. So is that one of your favorite pieces of advice for yourself, would you say? Is that one of the things that you've really put into practice from Absolutely. the work that you've done over the past So 15, much so that it shows up in, um, for example, I know I I'm, and I'm proud of my daughter's um, artful choice of words in her communication at work with mm. her friends. She's 27 years old, but she has known this skill since she was in grade five, grade six, grade seven, all through her because just... Like any child whose mother or father is in a particular profession, they are inclined to know more than the average bear about that profession. Right, right. My father was a de Havilland's man, um, airplane man. So, you know, ask me, go ahead, ask me about the Lancasters and the mosquitoes and the twin otters. And, right, you know, right, I, I right. know more than lots of other people. So for her, um, she knows these things because these are the messages i guess what i'm saying is i walked my talk right as a mother which is pretty pretty important for somebody i mean yeah. that's gonna, and that's i think that's going to come out in your writing i think it's going to come out in your blogging and your interviews and and in your stage work which is huge and probably a reason big part of the reason why you've you've been as successful as as you are it seems to me and that's got to be some kind of payoff well here's an example i'm just thinking now that um, here's an example like any mother-daughter relationship or whatever, um, sometimes there can be loggerheads. There sure, can be headbutting. Yeah. And like any mother-daughter or parent-child, uh, we, we can go right up to the edge, right up to the edge of point of no return where it's going to get messy and, and there's going to be sadness or tears or strain. Um, and because we both know these skills, we both know how to either make a moment of humor about it right? or say, uh, say the right kind of words, you know, what you just said, when you said this, I felt right. I would have preferred if you'd said it this way, then I could have what, right. The right. desk, yeah. that's called the desk formula The yeah. describe, explain, specify consequences. Right. So if two people are using those strategies, then you can navigate through some tricky stuff yeah. and not end up having ugliness that makes people not want to speak to each other for two weeks. Um, I'm a huge fan of The West Wing and uh, and now a huge fan of Aaron Sorkin's uh, new show called The Newsroom on HBO. Anyway, okay. little plug there. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but I remember watching The West Wing and thinking lots of wonderful things like there's no way there's this many smart people in the White House. There's no way, <laughs> you know, they, they talk like this and so on. And I, and I would watch some of these, you know, the 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 debates the arguments that would happen in the rose i can't remember the name of the room anyway a particular room and it'd be an argument and you'd go you know real people just don't argue like that wouldn't it be wonderful wouldn't it be awesome and amazing if if it it, it was kind of back and forth like that and people thought about what they said before Eagle. they said it well you know? our egos get in the way egos right? do get in the way yeah well, and we get hurt so easily right yes. i think that has a lot but that's to do with that's that. our responsibility to work on that individually yeah. it's yeah. our responsibility to learn not to be triggered or or to minimal to minimize it to minimize you know, it in some you, way. You're not yeah. going to be a perfect saint about it. And how, okay, so here I think is a good question for somebody who so believes in positive thinking, who believes I think in in getting out of bed in the morning with a with a um, uh, um, you know a smile on your face that's mm -hmm. going to change the way you do your going to do going to change the way you work and so on. Um, how uh, yeah, I guess I'm just I'm getting back to this this idea of of what is it that what is it that makes a difference for you from from a I don't want to say motivational perspective but I guess from a life perspective you know the life lesson so you choose your words carefully um, but but what else do you do I mean I know I remember reading a book on Buddhism and they talked about uh, I, I believe putting a, a piece of paper on your uh, the ceiling of where you slept. Oh yes, with a, I used to have Paul McCartney on the ceiling. 
<laughs> when I was a kid. Yes. <laughs> right? I That's probably would I have had Farrah Fawcett, uh, <laughs> but my mother wouldn't let me. So. Yeah, we love, my sister and I love doing things like that on the ceiling. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, you know, life is hard. Like Scott Pack said in The Road Less Traveled, the opening line, life is yes, difficult, yes, period. Yes. And I believe that that book was so popular because of that opening line. Yes. How do you... How do you keep it going? Yeah. You know? To, you know, the fourth of the five strategies that I share, and I never did. I, I was going to tell you about the first one. Oh, we did. We talked about we the talked a bit. Words. We okay. did, yeah. yeah. Um, is um, shifting perspective. No matter what, how can I see this same situation from a different perspective? Right. You know, and, a death, and to, a divorce. That's right. A job, that's right. Transfer in a job. You didn't get the promotion you wanted. I mean, there's so many things, Well, even right? when you... When, when you made that comment about um, about being tired in the morning and all about the morning, I said, well, at least you woke up. That's right. right? At least you woke up. Yeah. <laughs> at least My you dad's woke line, up. and I know I've said this in other podcasts, I'm sure as I create a, a database of listeners, they're going to get sick of my, my phrases. But my dad used to say things like, well, worse things happen at sea, right? Yeah, so at least, at least you sea. woke up in the morning. And at I like your that one beating. about when next yeah. time that people, you know, I'm in a body. I'm not perfect yet. Yes, <laughs> I'm not that's a right. saint yet. Yes, Haven't yes. moved on, but... Um, I do try to do that uh, a lot. I don't yeah. just try. I do yeah. do yeah. that a yeah. lot. Yeah. When I get too much into pity city and I'm starting to yeah. build a house there yeah. rather than yeah. just passing through, um, I, I think to myself, um, well, there's a whole bunch of people in today's obituaries who'd love to trade places That's with you, true. Nina. Yeah. So yeah. again, oh, come on. So corny. It is. But, you yeah, know what? Some not of this just stuff, the people who are going to be in today's obituary. It's not corny. It's not corny. I know. Some of this stuff does sound corny. I, I interviewed uh, Mark Kingwell, a mm -hmm. uh, philosopher from the University of Toronto, coming mm -hmm. up in a couple of weeks, uh, the podcast. And mm -hmm. we talked about common sense a little bit and what the mm -hmm. heck is that? And, and it's I not think, so common. That's yeah, what Voltaire well, this said. This <laughs> is the thing, right? And I think some of this stuff that we sometimes just kind of let roll off our back that's corny or cliche. Yeah. I mean, you know, there are reasons why. Yeah. And uh, there is, there's truth in tradition, it seems to me, you know, and things that have come before and so on. Hey, listen, I, I, I'm not sure. I, we have to talk about Kilimanjaro. Yes. And and, and we're, we're almost at, at, at the end, believe it or not. But I, I need to ask you, you know, you talked about um, um, implementing one thing. Mm -hmm. So you do believe, and this is kind of my thing, uh, mm -hmm. you do believe in incremental change. Absolutely. And you believe that you can teach 10% incremental change. Try not to chunk, not to gobble it all down at once. Yeah. Give yourself permission to make a 10% incremental change. Then, then even like on Kili, you get to that platform, you yep. take a yep. breath, and then you go again. Swahili, uh, say poli poli, slowly, slowly. And that is the advice I summited. Um, in January of 2011. I mean, that's all about incremental change. That's all about step at a time for the love. You know? And it really was. If you take the next step, and then and then you you stop there, and then you take the next step. So you can get all the way to where you're going, literally just by taking one step. Again, we're back to the sort of sounds corny a little bit, but mm -hmm. the truth is that's it how is. you got there. Yeah, and if you paused long enough in between in between each of those steps, it would just be one step. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Now, sometimes we get a little bit impatient. We want to hurry up. We want to do many steps at once. And even in my book in progress right now about Kilimanjaro, I tell the story about um, one gentleman who became exasperated, not on my team, uh, but on another team, uh, who became exasperated at how poli poli, slowly, slowly, mm. uh, they were going and therefore kind of scampered ahead. He didn't end up summoning. Wow. Because so he it's, sprinted. It's not, about, um, it's not about your stamina or the fact that you can go fast. It's about the fact that perhaps you should not go fast, even right. if you can go fast. Right. Because there are factors to consider. Now, it's metaphoric. It's, it's not altitude at work. But, you know, metaphorically, there are some altitude things sure. to be watchful sure. of at sure. work. And the reason why you go poly-poly is so that you can acclimatize so that the edema, the threat of edema and the swelling of the brain and of your organs does not happen. The slower you go, right, the right. higher the probability of summoning. How long did it take? Seven days. Seven days. And Seven that was from like summit. first step to last step? No. Nine days from first step to last step. Okay. Seven days to summit, two days to descend. Wow. 
I know. Wow. I know. Why? Because yeah. when you come down with every step you take, like the police said, um, remember that song? I right. do, and yes, of course, step. yes. Um, with every step that you take, when you're descending, you're gaining oxygen. Right. You're gaining energy. Right. You're right. coming down. Right. It's all downhill yeah, from here. Yeah, yeah, and right. it always seems to, it's interesting, eh? I was talking to my son about it, it always seems to go quicker going home. Well, sure, because <laughs> you're coming back or going down. Yeah, yeah. Although, something to remember, a caveat, if you spend your load, if you spend all your energy at the top, and then you think that descending is, is um, ah, it's a piece of cake. Piece of cake. You no, know, descending is tricky too. Right, right. And in some ways can be harder because a fall going down is probably uh, more dangerous than a fall going up. I've heard mostly, I think, from people who haven't done the summit that it's really just a hard, long walk. No, that is <laughs> such... Um, a mistake. In oh, thinking. it's not Everest, you know. I mean, it's it's not mountaineering. It is trekking, and still, with that, only about forty percent of people summit. Is that right? Eh? Wow, that's right. a low stat. It's, yeah. Um, so your odds can be increased based on a number of factors, including training. Some people just don't train. They think, oh, I, I walked to work and back. That's okay. I took the stairs to the top of a building and back. Right. Um, but no, it, you, you need to have more respect for what it is that you're doing. Um, it is not mountaineering. It is trekking. But to say it's a basic hike yeah, yeah. is a mistake. It's a mistake in thinking. And that kind of arrogance can oh, get I you bet, in some trouble. I, I bet it does, yeah. Cavalier approach yeah, to it. Yeah. And so there's wonderful metaphors there. Of How course. many times do we think when it comes to a workplace project... Oh, this is a piece of cake, piece of cake. So the, there's no law of the harvest. There's no, I, there's no strategy of I need to do A, B, and C now in order to right. have that later. And then they're panic-stricken and trying to do it all and glitches occur. And So why, uh, why did you decide? Was it a business move for you? Like mm -mm. you said, oh, you know what? This is going to make me a better speaker or a better writer. The week was it before I decided to go, I didn't even know I was going. Wow. The week before I decided to go, it was not even part of my lifetime bucket list. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. I've had the a few of those. The week before I decided to go, I had not even camped in my own backyard. <laughs> that's pretty Never mind funny. at, you know, 20 degrees below zero at the top Sleeping of, under the of, stars? What does that mean? For nine days. Yeah. And I'd never even camped in the middle of summer in my backyard. <laughs> So not, you didn't well, want to you, just go to like Perry Sound well, first. No, no, no I'm going to go to Kilimanjaro. Yeah, and, and when you camp um, on Kilimanjaro, it's intense. Yeah, I bet. Not intense. It's intense. Yeah. T -E -N -T -S. Oh, I see. I'm sorry. It's, both, it's intense Funny. too. Both, yes. Okay. Um, maybe that's what the book title should be. Intense. Intense. Yeah. intense. Yeah. Yes, you could have some fun with um, that cover. But it's um, it's progressively colder. Yeah. Sure. To the point where you don't want to get naked yeah you know you yeah. got to change your clothes at yeah, some point yeah. and wash yourself down there's no yeah. showers or anything yeah, yeah. but uh you do quick 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 that's not a pulley pulley that's when you do it quick quick quick. yeah yeah right. i've flown over mount kilimanjaro on my way to rwanda well which he, was fascinating and i took a picture sure. of it and i thought wow you poor bastards well kilimanjaro <laughs> is the tallest mountain in africa on the african continent it's the fourth tallest peak in the world oh wow okay and yeah. it is the tallest peak in terms of freestanding mountains. Now, of course, Everest is uh, part of a chain. Yes. Right? It's yeah. part of the Himalayas. Yeah. But um, Kili is uh, the, the world's tallest freestanding mountain. So we're not talking a small little little hill here. We're talking it's, a big it's mountain. A bit, it's it's a the bit fourth of, tallest peak in the world. It's a bit of a doozy. It's a doozy. <laughs> now, it's 19,341 feet. Meters, I can't remember, 5,800 or something. But um, when we flew afterwards onto Zanzibar for a few days uh, to rest and have some relaxation, they said, good afternoon, we're uh, going to be, welcome to flight, whatever it was, we're going to be flying at an altitude of 17,000 feet. Well, we all just laughed. Yes. Because yes. we had climbed 2,000 feet taller than yeah, the plane was flying. Yeah, that puts it in perspective. <laughs> so as we wrap up, Nina, thank you so much again for, for joining me today. What's, what's 
what's next for you? I think you talked about a, hopefully a new book soon. Yes. Um, is, is Everest next or uh, no. Titanic? You know, visit the Titanic maybe? Oh, wouldn't that be a fascinating yeah. thing yeah, to I do? I don't think but I could I'm do that I'm a little one. bit scared of water. <laughs> a little claustrophobic. I like to go for a shower and that's yeah. about it. Maybe a swim in a pool. Yeah. I don't think you'll get me going 20,000 leagues under the sea. No, me neither. Um, my bucket list, I would like to do, let's see if I can do this, this correctly. The Camino de Santiago. Oh, you know the one. I, I know the one. No, the I'm way so back. The way I, back. Right. The great Cam film. Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, with I seen with that. Uh, Martin Sheen. I'd like to do directed the by Emilio Estevez. You've got to see it. It was at okay. the film festival a couple of years ago. Okay, I and, know it. Uh, yeah, the way back. I think but it's is, on Netflix. Do you know what it's called? The Posta. I don't. De the Santiago. Camino. Yeah. The Camino. The, yeah. She was. Oh, you would I, love that. From I what little I know that. of it. But I'd love to do the Camino. It's 800K. Yep. And yeah. I know I could do it. Yeah. I know I could do yeah. it. I yeah. just would like to do it with some friends or sure. loved ones. That would be great. I don't yeah. want to do it yeah. with yeah. Um, strangers. Sure. Yeah. No, no offense to all those lovely strangers that I haven't met. You know, and you would I, meet lots of them on the way. I would, but it. it's not something that I would like to do singularly. Yes. I would like yes. to share that experience. Yeah, I think if I was someone that I already have a history with. Yeah. Um, of course, Machu Picchu. Yes, right? yes. I have thought about Everest Base Camp. Yeah, okay. Um, but if I'm on my deathbed and that doesn't happen, I'm not going to go, damn, <laughs> I didn't get to Everest Base That's Camp. That's right, yeah. But who knows? Yeah, it might, sure. It might be. Um, sure. The oldest person on our, our climb, I believe, was close to 70 Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I know one other person who's done Kilimanjaro. They did it at 50 and it was a real... Well, I was I wanna, 53. Yeah, I want to yeah. do this, you know, yeah. kind of, I guess uh, I'm not so 50. Maybe I'm not 50 up here, upstairs, yeah. but, you know, my body might be, but I can still make it. You yeah. know, I, I think they, uh, they there was something of that, uh, that kind of sentiment going on. What's the title of your new book or do you know yet? The title of the new book, at least the working title, who knows, at the last moment you change your mind, but um, the, the title has been all along, A Time to Creep. A Time to Soar, and then the subtitle is Lessons Learned for Work and Life from Climbing Kilimanjaro. Oh, well, there you go. And That's the reason nice why is because I came across a Helen Keller quote a few years ago, uh -huh. a couple of years ago, that said, one cannot be content to creep once one has soared. Mm. And while I appreciate that sentiment, there really is a time to creep so that if you do the creeping when you're supposed to, you go pulley, pulley, slowly, then you can have the reward of the soaring. Right. And one needs to know for your own best interest when to do what. Thanks so much for joining us. It's Nina, Nina Spencer, uh, N-I-N-A-S-P-E-N-C-E-R.com. We're here at the Verity Club in Toronto. What a gorgeous spot, by the it's way. Lovely, isn't it? Thank you for inviting me. And My you got to come down. I know it's by membership only, but yes. look into it, folks. The Verity Club in Toronto. Gorgeous, wonderful gem. For women. Yeah, for women. <laughs> Sorry, gentlemen. That's right. Uh, you can come as a guest, though. But you can come yeah. as a guest. And lovely meeting rooms. and uh, Wonderful space. I'm mm -hmm. going to end with a, a quote from... Uh, Nina's book, quote, life is change and work is change, but passion for your work and for your life is optional and each one of us gets to choose. So a few more words and then in big bold letters, class starts now. Thanks so much for joining us today and uh, look forward to uh, our, our next interview. Oh yes, please. And thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.